This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. To all those suckers in Goodlettsville and Nashville, they missed it. We had, never, we had great fireworks. Speaking of Hendersonville, one of Hend- I hear there's a rumor in the audience that Hendersonville, one of their favorite sons and daughters, Chris and Brandy Exley, missionaries to Kenya, are here. Is that accurate? Yeah, now I see them. Can you guys stand up? These are some great friends of mine. I haven't seen them in a couple of years. Can you guys welcome them? We, uh, we went to church together, uh, and then we were on staff together at a church in Texas, and so it's great that those guys only have a few Sundays. They're here, and so to be here is a, a great honor to have them. So thanks for being here, guys. Fireworks. Evidently, some people really love fireworks. Because last night, around 9.30 or 10, I'm driving into my neighborhood and it's pouring down rain. And yet, I see fireworks in my neighborhood. And I just, you have to really like fireworks to say, you know, let's get the raincoat and get the, get the umbrella. We are going to launch these fireworks no matter what. I don't care if it's raining. I, mean, I didn't even know fireworks existed. I mean, they would work in the rain. Uh, and, and in my neighborhood... They did, but speaking of strange fireworks stories, I, I get a Twitter from Pastor David who says, I am using the same bag of fireworks I've used since I was 16 years old. Now, David, I know you plan ahead. You like to schedule your week and stuff, but what 16-year-old do you know that like says, that bag should last two decades? Uh, let's get it. And, and I read, you know, when I read the report, I just had this vision. I know David has been at a couple of other churches and, and moved around a bit. And I just had this vision of him and Margie packing the moving truck and everything in position. And before you pull down, he says, wait, the last thing, the firework bags. We won't leave this baby behind. So there's a fascination with uh, fireworks that some people have, and I just don't share. But uh, Mark chapter 1 we, we, are, we are taking some time uh, this summer to, to look at this action-packed book. There's really no way uh, we're going to finish the whole book, or it would be years in the book of Mark. But I want us to have deeper devotion for Jesus. I want us to have a clear understanding of the God we serve. Isn't it tragic that we get so caught up in religion, and we get so caught up in the institutional church, and, and our quest to advance ourselves and advance our ministries and get our positions, that we lose the fundamental principle of why we're all supposed to be here. And that's passion and love for the Son of God. There is nothing greater. And if we lose our love for Jesus, we've lost everything. We've lost everything. The title of my message is Lead, Challenge, Advance. Lead, Challenge, Advance. Father, pray with me, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would take the Word of God and you would illuminate it and you would just make it life to us today. Father, we want to hear your heart. We thank you that you have left your Scripture to communicate your heart, to give us insight, to give us truth. And so we rest in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1984, uh, I took a, a trip with my mom, my aunt, my brother, the four of us, decided to drive from Dallas to Los Angeles. We had never been west before uh, to visit some family. And that was exciting, and we looked forward to it. The problem is we took a vehicle that was not roadworthy whatsoever. It was a 1978 
Plymouth Valori station wagon. And the interesting thing about this car, to this day, I'm imagining in my mind the color of this car. And I know that there's been a lot of different colors made up. And you'll see purple, and sometimes Beth will say, well, that's not purple, it's magenta. That's a different shade of this, a different shade of that. There's all kinds of strange names for colors. But this particular vehicle, there is no name for the color. It's like a, it was an odd mix of rust, brown, puke kind of color that once we actually made it to California, it was not the coolest vehicle to take, you know, to go down Sunset Boulevard in. But beyond the uh, aesthetic challenges that it certainly had, the mechanical challenges were even greater. And, and we didn't get far. We didn't get out of Texas, and there was a breakdown. But we were determined, and uh, we fixed the car, and we headed out across the desert. Now, 1984, if you remember, those of you who do, there were no cell phones. Uh, there was no GPS systems. Uh, even though we did have a vehicle, uh, it seemed still a little bit, uh, just a little bit daunting or scary because as you begin to go out uh, into the desert, there were dozens and dozens of miles between each exit. And, and it, just, it just felt a little scary. And I just remember that we would pass a little town, and, and as we're passing through the town, there just kind of became this, this eerie feeling, and, and it was like, let's go through the checklist. Do we have enough gas? Is there water in the cooler? Are we going to be okay? Because getting that station wagon from one point to another was a very, very risky endeavor. The desert can be a scary place. The desert is uninhabited. The desert is challenging. There you are in the desert. It's a place of complete dependence. And Jesus found himself in the desert at a very peculiar time, a very strange time, Jesus found himself in the desert for 40 days. Now, to understand the context, I want you to travel back with me in your mind to two weeks ago on Father's Day when we told this amazing story. In Mark chapter 1, look at verse 9. In those days, this was a text we talked about two weeks ago. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. In verse 10, as soon as he came up out of the water... He saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending to him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. I take delight in you. Now, putting aside the practical application we discussed two weeks ago, let's just think, let's take that story at face value and think about how dramatic that was. He goes in the water. He comes back out. The Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And an audible voice, the audible voice of God, said, this is my Son. I take delight in you. Dramatic, exciting, um, supernatural, something that was so memorable, you would never forget it. And, you know, in life, we have those moments sometimes. I think about our teenagers who I was with Tuesday and Wednesday night, and I love youth camp. I love the fact that so many of you have personally invested in these students because it's a mountaintop experience, and it's needed and necessary and good and beneficial. Pastor David, you did a great job putting the week together. And when I was with them those couple of days, we, we engaged with the Lord, and it was exciting, and it was good and it was memorable and it will mark our lives forever. You've been in services like that, haven't you? There's, you, know, you go to church 
45, 50 times a year, but there's just two or three Sundays of the year when that sermon notes for you. And that, that prayer at the altar, it, it came to your soul. Maybe it happens for you every week, but I would dare say for most of us, there's those several real meaningful experiences that happen to us. And for Jesus, this was a meaningful experience. To have His public ministry affirmed by the Father in the audible voice, this is my Son, in whom I love and I am well pleased. So, we would think now that after such a great experience, Jesus was going to step into a new authority and dominion and blessing and all the things. That it was going to be an easy road from that moment on. And that's where we pick up today's text. Because the contrast here is so striking. In fact, if you read this quickly, you'll miss the connection. That as soon as Jesus came out of the water, look at verse 12, today's text. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. That word drove there is the same word used when Jesus would cast out demons. It was, it's, a, it's a verb drove of authority. It's a, it's a forceful word. Immediately after this incredible experience with the Lord, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Verse 13, he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels began to serve him. It's the, this is the only account of the temptation that, that's revealed that angels ministered to him. In verse 4, after John, 14, excuse me, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee preaching the good news of God. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, if I was writing this story, it would seem logical to me that he would come out of the baptismal waters, he would have the voice affirm who he was, and he would launch straight in to the ministry you see in verse 14. But no, the Spirit drove him, authoritatively sent him into the desert. The desert for 40 years. The children of Israel, they were also, excuse me, for 40 days. Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. It was the children of Israel, they were in the desert for 40 years. And that was a symbolic preparation time that Jesus had. It's the same kind of preparation the children of Israel had before they entered into the promised land. Now, Mark uses some very dramatic words there in verse, verse 13. It says, he says, he was with wild animals. And I just thought about that phrase and thought about how that would have captivated the readers. It captivates me, and I wonder what kind of animals was Jesus with. And no doubt, many of the Roman Christians who read this had been in a Colosseum, and they had seen the wild animals tear apart the, the victims of that terrible, terrible torture. And, and for city dwellers, all of us, we have a little bit of fear of the wilderness. Now, I know a lot of you out there are mountain men, and like for fun, you guys get a backpack and disappear for several days. Not me. I like, you know, Ramada Inn and uh, the Hilton. And that's my idea of a getaway. So some of you guys, maybe that doesn't apply, but for us, us city dwellers, the idea of being out with the wild animals. And, and, and Mark uses this dramatic language to, to let us know that Jesus was tempted greatly. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 33, you know, we hear that Daniel was approved by God because he overcame 
uh, wild animals. You'll, you'll see on the screen there, 622, it says, My God sent his angels and he shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. And so when Mark writes this, he's saying Jesus was driven by the Spirit. He was with the wild animals. He was there 40 days. And yet the animals didn't touch him and the angels ministered to him. Again, affirming to the readers that Jesus is not a typical prophet and we know now he is the Son of God. Well, there's some things that I want you to be aware of that I believe is going to have great application. And for our teenagers today, it's going to have uh, extreme application because you're coming off this mountain. And for all of us, all of us, it's going to help us be aware of the rhythm that sometimes happens in life. You know, the Scripture warns us. The Scripture goes before us and it, it, it warns us about what can happen in our life. So then we're not surprised and we're not disillusioned. And we're aware of the enemy's strategy, or in this case, we're aware of the Lord's choosing as, as the Spirit moved us, moved Jesus into the desert. So the first observation I want to make today is that the Spirit's leadership sometimes takes us to an uncomfortable place. If you're taking notes, you can write this on the back of your bulletin. The Spirit's leadership sometimes takes us to an uncomfortable place. This is front and center in my mind right now because of the time I've spent with Dick Brogdon over the last few days and, and hearing not only the stories of his life in Sudan, but also his spiritual perspective. Here's a man that I know is walking close with the Lord, but yet it's challenging at times, and it's hard, and it's risky. And I believe that he shared that in an eloquent way Last Sunday, I think about Chris and Brandy, actually, our guests today. I know their life. I know their life closely. I know that Chris had an incredible job, that Brandy was living the suburban dream, yet they took a risk and they quit their jobs and they went to Africa because sometimes the Spirit leads you to a place that's uncomfortable. And the reason that I am reminding you of this this morning is I don't want us to get in the mindset, well, let's just make ourselves uncomfortable to try to prove we're spiritual. I mean, that, that's not what I'm trying to say. All I'm trying to say is this. Some of you are in the desert and you think God has abandoned you and you think God has left you and you think God has forsaken you. But what you don't realize is that it could be the Spirit has you at the exact place you need to be to prepare you for a greater tomorrow. If you're in the desert today, if you are in a dry place, if you're in a place where it's hard to find nourishment and it feels unsafe and it feels risky and sometimes you even feel alone, it could be that God has you there because it's a preparation time and He's getting you ready for something even greater. If you're in the desert today, don't feel alone because Jacob was in the desert. Moses was in the desert. Israel was in the desert 40 years. David was in the desert even though he had been anointed king. He was in the desert hiding and being searched about by the king and he was going to be executed. And Jesus went through the desert over and over in the Old Testament. The prophets, the God's leaders, those who spoke for God, God prepared them in the desert. And sometimes because we want comfort and ease in this life, that we don't see the beauty of where God has us to get today. 
It might be dry. It might be challenging. It might be lonely. But in the desert, you're not alone. When you are friends with the Lord, when you know the Lord personally, we should not fear the desert. We should not fear that. The problem is this. The problem is this, is that is that we want to set everything on our own terms, on our own timetable. And yet God, in His sovereign plan, in His plan, He is writing a story that may be very different than we imagine, but the outcome is better than we could possibly plan or know about. And so Jesus went immediately, immediately into the desert. Why did He do that? Why after this public affirmation? Why after this dramatic experience? Why after all the people knew that God had assigned Jesus, why would His ministry not launch immediately? Write down the second thing. Many times our greatest experiences are often followed by our greatest challenges. That's the rhythm of God in many cases. It's not necessarily a spiritual law. Because the spiritual law means it happens every time. I'm saying it's a recognized trend in the Scripture. And even in my life, I see that as a recognized trend. That we have this great experience, and then comes the challenge. You know, let's take this at the most basic level we have. Let's say you come in this service, and hopefully you get a touch of the Lord, the worship, focuses you on Jesus. The Word of God enriches your heart and opens your understanding. The ministry time and the communion, you're connected with the Lord. But here is the truth. When you get home, the trash still has to be emptied. And the dishes still need to be washed. And tomorrow morning, it doesn't matter what happens in this room, you still have a responsibility to be at work on time and to be punctual. Because God gives us these great experiences that affirm our love and then immediately the Spirit drives us right back to the desert because there He is going to minister to us and teach us what we need to know. God is so loving that He's always preparing us. He's like the ultimate coach, the ultimate mentor, the person who is forming our hearts and our habits and our life so that we can reach our potential, and accomplish our purpose. He not doesn't just challenge us for sport. Sometimes we think that, that like it's a test. God's like, I blessed you. Get ready, buddy. You're going to get challenged now. In, in fact, sometimes that whole concept, even, even uh, it can inhibit us a little bit. Uh, I hear often people say, hey, once you receive the call, get ready. The devil's going to get you. And I'm like, wow, do I want that call? Because, you know, if I'm going to be this huge target, and, and there's some truth in that, but I, let, let's look at this from a different perspective. Because God doesn't necessarily challenge us so that we fail, and it's His boot camp. He challenges us because He's prepared us to win. 
And he's prepared us for victory. And he's gone before us. And the reason he touches us, and the reason he blesses us, and the reason he empowers us, and the reason we have those significant conversations and those meaningful services and the, the devotions is just has a little more uh, emphasis that, that day and touches our spirit a little deeper. The reason he does that is to prepare us to overcome the challenge. He's not testing us so that we can fail. He's preparing us so we can succeed. That's what the challenge of the Lord is. And if we could just get God's heart, and God's heart for us today, that even though we may be in the desert, that we're not going to stay there forever. He has prepared us to win. He's prepared us for the victory. In the early part of 2007, God changed my life. There's three or four experiences that I, that, that, that I could share with you, but it wouldn't be profitable. The experiences aren't important. The outcome is what is important. The outcome is this. In early 2007, I changed the whole definition of why I'm a pastor and why I feel this call from God. And just to be honest with you, it was something God chose to reveal in His timing. And it was something that purified my motives and it really set the course for the next 20 years of my life. It was so significant. So significant. And through those experiences, I felt more focused. And I felt more pure in my heart. And I felt um, a, a sort of renaissance in my life that this was a new day. And so in my mind, you know what I thought? I thought, it's all good from here. We are moving forward. We are launching forward now because now God can bless me and now God can use me. And I, I didn't have the right perspective and motive, but now I'm ready to take off. And do you know that the rest of 2007 was one of the most challenging times in my ministry and it was the most challenging time in my personal life and it was a desert. And it was a desert. You know, the reason I tell you that is because a lot of times that we we lose heart in the desert. And we say, God, you gave me this call. God, you gave me this experience. God, you spoke this to me. Why am I in the desert now? And do you hear the heart of the Father? And do you just take me as an example because God was preparing me for a greater ministry in 2008 that we're standing among today? Because that's what God does. Take heart today. Take heart that when He calls you and He empowers you, and He gives you those experiences. And then if you find yourself, as often it happens, not always, back in the desert, He's right there with you. And He is going to give you the victory. And He is going to be with you. Here's the last thing I want to tell you. And it's actually, don't even put it on the screen because the Lord changed the point in worship. But here's the great thing. And Jonathan, you can make your way up here. Here's the great thing about the desert. Remember the children of Israel? They were in the desert for 40 years. You know why they were in the desert for 40 years? It's because they failed. They, they, they would over and over complain. They would, they would continue to turn away from God. They continued to make uh, false idols and serve different gods. And they failed in the desert. God sent Jesus back in the desert for 40 days because his child Israel had failed. But his son has the victory. Here's the last thing you can write down. There is victory in the desert. There is victory in the desert. The desert is not a place for you to go and die. 
Sometimes we think that the desert is a place of death, that everything's going to die, that nothing's going to be the same again, that we're in the desert and we're abandoned and alone and God has forgotten us and we're just going to dry up and die. But Jesus went into the desert and for 40 days He conquered and battled the enemy and conquered to let us know that there is victory in the desert, the Son of God who has gone before us and He came out. And he came out of the desert and it was told to him, look at verse 14, that John the Baptist was arrested. And, and it must have felt dark to many people. But in, in verse 14, he says this, he says, that, uh, verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And he came out of that desert and God launched him. And it was time, after 30 years of preparation, it was time for him to step forward and step forward and be the man of God to, to fulfill to fulfill the plan of God for his life. See, leaders will come and go, but the plan of God always advances. The plan of God always goes forward. The plan of God that is destined in his heart that he has spoken forth, that he has created, will advance and will move forward. I want to speak to, to our, our, our teenagers who you've had this experience. Listen, you, you, you probably will be challenged in the next few weeks, maybe this afternoon, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next couple of days, but don't fear the challenge. Don't fear the challenge because Jesus is going to make you victorious in the desert. You're going to come out of the desert stronger than you ever have before. That the reason that He has given you that significant experience is so that you can, can go back and know that He has marked your life, that He has marked you and called you, and He has enabled you to do that. This has been a Church in Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.